You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 114. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are going to talk about how the PMO can become a true strategic business partner. You see, traditionally, the PMO has been considered more of an execution body, an entity whose primary objective was to execute projects optimally. But the PMO can be so much more than that. Because of its unique position inside companies, the PMO can be a strategic business partner that enables the companies to pilot their strategy. And when circumstances require it, pivot their businesses to meet the needs of the market, the organization, and the strategy itself. So in this session, you're going to find out more about how the PMO can position itself as a true strategic business partner and why that matters so much for the future of your organization and for your PMO. This episode is sponsored by Planisware. Planisware is a global provider of SaaS solutions that break the boundaries of traditional project management by connecting people, strategy, finance, application, and products. With over 20 years of experience, Planisware helps organizations take plans from vision to reality and make an impact. Learn more at planisware.com. That's planisware.com. Now with me today for this session is Amy Rodriguez. She's a Planisware Director of Customer Success and Best Practices. Before joining Planisware, she helped structure the R&D processes of today's largest animal health company and launched some of the biggest products in the animal health world. And I know we have tons of animal lovers here on this session, listening to this whole thing today. So thank you so much, Amy, for being here and for all you've done for animals out there. everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this section. So welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm happy to be here and I'm excited to talk to everyone about how we can help move their PMO into this more strategic position. Oh, absolutely. And I think this is a really important discussion because I think a lot of PMO leaders do come from the, we're there to execute, right? We're there to execute on the organization strategy, but there's more to it than that. And what we really need to be talking about is how can the PMO align with that strategy and help thread the strategic objectives and the strategy itself through the entire organization, through every project that's implemented and help connect that strategy to the actual work that's being done. And what I often tell PMO leaders is that their role is to help the organization deliver on its strategy with the highest possible return on investment as quickly as possible. And this entire PMO impact summit that we're doing is all about helping PMO leaders find themselves in that place, position themselves in that place and help to achieve that optimal goal of the PMO, which is highest ROI for the strategy as quickly as possible. So this is an incredibly important topic because a lot of PMO leaders will say, okay, great. I'm bought into that. 
but I don't know how to do that. And so that's what we're going to dive into today. So I'm super excited. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that one of the key and something that is completely instrumental in helping to have a great PMO organization is recognizing the power that it can have, right? So knowing that if you are working on the right things with the right people, using the right resources, allocating your budget correctly, you can really get a lot of things done And you Mm -hmm. can make sure that everything that you're working on truly is in alignment with where that corporate strategy is trying to head and what you're trying to communicate overall. Yeah, absolutely. So excited. Okay. All right. So let's just dive in. Sound good? Yes. Awesome. Okay. So my first question for you is let's start back with the basics and the description that I was sharing at the beginning, which is that traditionally the PMO has been perceived as this execution arm or that executes the plans, but not really known for bringing strategic value. So what is it about the PMO that makes it what what you refer to as a strategic tool today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really creating that one source of truth, right? So one body, one organization that can help lead your company down the right path, enabling mm-hmm. it with the right tools, with the right people, really making sure that strategy itself is communicated, really making sure that you know where you're trying to go, yeah. right? But it's also, it's not passive, right? So right. it is actively engaging with those people within your organization. It is working with all of your team members. It's basing that prioritization of your portfolio on actual data versus Mm -hmm. hearsay. And it's enabling your leaders really to make really good decisions throughout that organization. Yes, yes, for sure. And I think that's super important is that decision-making process, because I think a lot of times, and you'll hear this kind of threaded through all of the strategy sessions in our strategy track at the PMO Impact Summit, we're talking a lot about the role and strategic thinking and the gaps that need to be filled. And But I think it comes down to a fundamental, which is there's this really scary statistic that I read recently that said 95% of the workers in an organization, a typical organization, do not understand the organization's strategy. So how in the world do you expect to deliver on that strategy as an organization if the only people that get it are at the top? Right. So there's this huge gap that needs to be filled. And your argument is, and I totally agree that the PMO is well positioned to fill that gap and do a lot more than just execute on the strategy, but make sure that we're executing on the right strategy, the right time in the right ways. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so very similarly to what you just said, uh, John Doerr wrote a book that's called Measure What Matters. And he said that it's about 7%. So very similar statistic to what you had just indicated that actually understands or knows even what that company strategy is. And there have been CEOs that have been polled that have indicated this is the greatest risk to a company actually achieving that strategy. And so the PMO can really be seen as the glue, right, that holds an organization together. So Mm -hmm. they can be the ones responsible, sure, for helping to execute the plan. But let's imagine a world, right, where you have the prioritization of your entire portfolio set already for the whole year. And along comes a global pandemic, in which case you have to pivot essentially your entire pipeline so that you have your vaccine team or your therapeutic team working on a life-saving medication or or vaccination. But you have to realize that post-pandemic, you're going to need other products too, right? So you need to make sure that you don't just leave the rest of your pipeline in disrepair and unable to meet those goals. And so 
really having the PEO, the PMO rather, that's able to oversee your entire portfolio to really leverage that expertise that the members of the PMO would have, but also the knowledge to say, okay, but we need to pivot these resources and this budget to this group within the company, but we're not going to let the rest drop to the the side. Uh, So it it really enables you to continue sort of business as usual while also reprioritizing essentially everything that, that you just did a couple of months ago. You bring up a really important point, and I saw several examples of this. So backtrack to the beginning of the global pandemic for COVID-19. What I thought was very interesting was when the pandemic first started to become an issue, for example, my PMO students and my Mm -hmm. Impact Engine PMO training and coaching program, what I saw was that my students were, I like, I stopped taking in new students for a while. I wanted to be there for my students and make sure they had everything that they needed. And I was like, okay, let me focus. And you know what? They were killing it. They were rocking and rolling. And here's why. And they were involved in some pretty significant things. We had one of the largest community health centers in the country, in the US. The PMO leader for that was responsible for helping to set up a COVID testing center in three days, right? I mean, there Mm -hmm. was, and that's something she told, she would say, and actually she's Andrea Sorelli. She was on uh, one of the PMO Strategies podcasts talking about this. She said, you know, look, we didn't just try to keep doing business as usual. Mm -hmm. We pivoted. And we said, we're not just going to, because she said, normally their normal process, it would have taken three months to set something up like that. And they didn't have three months. It had to be done in three days. So they said, okay, so what do we absolutely need to do? And what should we not do in order to make sure that we can meet this timeline, right? Because time was the most important aspect, getting it there and obviously have to be done with quality, et cetera, but it had to be done fast. So what do we need to keep from our process, our implementation process, and what should we not do so that we can accelerate this? They couldn't just keep saying, well, sorry, our process says it's three months to get one of these up because they would have just, obviously the executives would have gone around them, replaced them or whatever. And instead they have their seat at the table at the top levels of this organization because they knew how to say yes. And here's how we're going to do that to be able to achieve the mission critical objective. Now, other students in education, whether it's college programs or K through 12 programs, education had to do some big pivoting quickly, right? Global name brands that relied very heavily on their brick and mortar storefronts that had to go completely online in order to make sure that the business not just survive, but thrive, right? So that was examples of my students that were doing awesome, right? And then I also saw that there were other PMO leaders that I started doing like these regular live stream Q and A's to say, okay, here's what you need to do PMO leader during this pandemic. And the question I kept getting was, well, how do I keep my normal processes going? How do I keep doing my continuous improvement activities and keep rolling out my templates and process stuff during the pandemic? And I was like, you don't, (laughs) like you don't go solve this business problem that the PMO leaders can only the PMO can solve. For example, your executives are saying, well, which projects can we put on hold? Where are our resources? What if we need to move resources around? These are questions a PMO is very strategically well positioned to answer, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so a lot of PMO leaders that said, you know what? I'm going to stop doing things the way I've been doing them. I'm going to do exactly what needs to get done to drive getting to these results quickly. They pivoted as the needs of the business pivoted. They saw incredible results. And those that didn't, probably maybe listening to this wondering, where am I going to get my next role, right? Like, where am I going to get my next job? Because if you cannot, I think this is just so fundamental, Amy, if Mm -hmm. you cannot pivot 
to meet the needs of a pivoting business, right? And meet them wherever they are in the moment and solve those problems. You're not of strategic value to the organization. So I think that this is just such a fundamental of the role that the PMO can play. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's so important and especially within the, the realm of the of the pandemic, right? So yep. you went from having a strategy clearly defined, hopefully communicated to your organization, and then literally instantly, almost overnight, your yeah. employees can't come into the building, you can't right. travel anymore. And so you almost immediately had a digital transformation within 48 hours. You had to yep. set up new processes for people right. to work from home. You right. had to, then people were relocating, right, right. to less urban areas. And yeah. you know, some companies were doing salary adjustments. And, yeah. you know, it's just the ability to make those changes quickly. I think I read somewhere that in the 60s and 70s, an organization could have the same strategy for decades. And yeah. now, in this day and age, now it, a strategy can change two to three times within those yep. same 10 years that would have yep. lasted so long previously. So yep. it really is creating that flexibility within an organization that allows you to remain successful. So true. So true. Now let's say that our audience listening to this is like, okay, I got you, but my business leaders, my executives still see us as this execution only entity. Mm -hmm. So how can the PMO and the PMO leaders specifically show strategic value to that C those C-suite executives yeah. and show that they can play a role there? Yeah. So let's use an example for my animal health days. So sure. if I were to come to you at a, in a strategic meeting and say, I want to add chicken coops to our line of products that we're going to offer. Mm -hmm. And that's all I said. Our CEO or the head of the PMO might say that doesn't fit into the strategy that doesn't fit into anything that we're trying to do. If I came to you and I said, the ownership numbers of pet chickens is going to increase by 500% in the next year. We already produce homes or outdoor housing for dogs or large animals. Why not add a chicken coop to our yeah. product line? In which case that could help us to meet and drive our sales goal of 15 to 20% year over year to right. you know, really achieve that goal. So the difference is thinking strategically, right? So yeah coming at it from an opportunity of, oh, I would like to just add this project to our portfolio versus I want to add this project to our portfolio. And this is what it means for the value to the organization. Mm -hmm. And this is how it can add to that strategy. This is how we can actually push us towards that sales goal that we have as an organization. Mm -hmm. And the CEO of LinkedIn has been quoted in saying, when you are tired of saying it, people are starting to hear it. Yes. And so I feel like that is so important, especially for the PMO to really drive home. We are bringing value and this yeah. is how. So to continuously right. give those examples to the organization to showcase exactly what it is that that PMO is driving versus just ticking a box to say, yes, we've met that project objective. I think yes. that's really key. So true. And I think as PMO leaders, we've got to make sure that all of you understand that it's not... The way that they, your executives measure your value is different than the way we traditionally have measured our own success and value on time, on scope, on budget does not equal 
the, the strategy being realized with the highest possible return on investment. Mm-hmm. In fact, oftentimes you need to give a little on your triple constraint in order to achieve the highest return for that effort. Yep. And and when I say ROI for all of you with the yeah, but monsters crawling up on your shoulders saying, but we don't measure ROI. I guarantee, first of all, that your executives do because mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of them and I don't care if they're in a nonprofit, in the government or in the commercial sector, they say, I want to return for my investment because what it means to them is the worth it factor, right, Amy? It's, is mm-hmm. this worth doing in the first place? And sometimes that worth it factor means we have to make a decision about a change to scope or a change to the timeline or a change to the budget in order to achieve that highest possible worth it factor. And so those are good, intelligent conversations to have, not just blindly saying, sorry, triple constraint must be perfect because that's not how the real world works, right? So when the market shifts and your business leader comes to you and says, okay, well, we need to add chicken coops to our production of what we're going to create this year, or we're not going to be able to capitalize on that market, on that new segment that our competitor is going to take it over if we don't. So let's do this. Then the PMO needs to help facilitate getting to a yes. Yes, we can do that. And here's what it's going to take. Or yes, we can do that. And here's what would need to be deprioritized in order to accomplish that or whatever. Instead of saying, sorry, you can't get into the change control board for three months. So we're not going to be able to do anything. And then you miss the market opportunity, right? So I think that's the challenge that we have as PMO leaders is if we want to be, and I think this is what I hear you driving at is if we want to be considered true strategic business partners, we need to start thinking like business people, not project people. I think that's what I'm hearing right now. Yeah. And I think in a previous podcast that you had hosted, um, you had indicated this as well, right? That certain parts of the organization lead with their hands. So the PMO is notorious for leading with their hands and strategic partners are notorious for leading with their head. And so I think all of this sort of alludes to an idea that's gaining more traction, even though it's been around for a little bit of time, um, called optionality. And that Mm -hmm. is really keeping all of your options on the table right? Mm -hmm. So making these decisions that will allow you to have a broad range of potential projects or initiatives or any sort of thing really to work on that can help your organization grow and pivot as necessary, right? So it gives you you options Mm -hmm. to have that flexibility and to remain calm, right? When Mm -hmm. your other competitors might be starting to uh, get a little nervous. Yeah, so good. And I just want to let everyone know, as soon as I heard you talking about head and hands, and I know the other one is heart, because that's Barbara Trotline's change intelligence program. And mm-hmm. she's talked to us about that on the podcast. And for anyone that wants to be learn more about that, she is presenting a workshop at the PMO Impact Summit on change intelligence. So it's a really good workshop to learn how you can maybe understand your strengths, but then also understand where your opportunities are both for you professionally to build skills in in another area and learn how to communicate more effectively with people in those different areas. Maybe the ones that lead with head versus hands that we're traditionally used to doing. So I'm really glad you brought that up because that's a really important workshop that we're doing at the PMO Impact Summit this year about 
that whole concept of kind of helping you understand how to lead people through change most effectively mm-hmm. using her change intelligence model. So that's so cool. Thank you for, for doing that. I had to give her a little plug because it's such a, it's oh, such sure. a good workshop, Amy. <laughs> I have, we have been at conferences together and I'm, I'm running my PMO workshop next door with maybe like Andy Jordan, Mark Pipes Perry, Michael Hannon, some of those folks, and she's next door and they're so loud and rowdy and having such a blast because she's doing her change intelligence workshop. Nobody can even hear what's going on on in ours. So trust me, it is a session you don't want to miss. So anyway, so let's talk about this a little bit more though. I want to get into, because what you're touching on is these core competencies, right? Mm -hmm. Core competencies that a PMO leader and maybe the PMO staff should Mm -hmm. have in order to take their place as a strategic business partner. Can we talk a little bit about what those core competencies are and what that might look like? Sure. So I think some of them are fairly easy to implement. And that can be something like some key objectives or OKRs, you know, that someone is trying to implement and to to have a measurable goal in mind for for people Mm -hmm. to really use. And then it's having tools, tools in place to to be able to leverage, you know, something like scenario planning or simulations, right? So I have my portfolio, but what if? What if there's a pandemic? What if Mm -hmm. our entire business model has to change? What if there's no more market for the product that I am coming up with right now? Or what if my competition is going to beat me in their launch? And so how can I leverage that to be able to have all of these options on the table as well? And really just honing in on those skills that you have typically within your organization as a whole, right? Being able to leverage whatever you're using as this one source of truth, really Mm -hmm. having the ability to share data across your organization, leverage dashboards and ensure that your governance bodies or that your leadership is really on board with what is actually happening within the organization and certainly start small, right? So I'm not saying that you have to go from your smaller organization to a very mature PMO overnight, but you could have an idea of what you want, right? So I had uh, lunch with a mentor of mine a couple of days ago, and I asked him, you know, when should an organization have a PMO? And he said, as soon as your leadership has a vision. And ultimately, that is as soon as your company is formed, right? And so it could be that you have it instantly, but that it takes a little while to mature. And so take those baby steps to have that vision, to have that overview of your entire portfolio, to really create that transparency within the organization. Right. So, so good. And I think that's a really important point is that you don't have to be, your organization doesn't have to be a certain size for a PMO to be effective. I've helped set up extremely effective PMOs in organizations as small as 12 people. Like literally one of the organizations I worked for, it was a one person PMO at the start, but now there's two people and their role was to help set up the portfolio and set up the portfolio management process and ensure that all the strategic objectives were accomplished for the year. And that CEO today, and I know this because he said this in front of his new organization that he works in now, he said, our small, our tiny little organization had no business being able to accomplish as much as it did. Mm -hmm. And the reason we were able to accomplish so much was because we set up and he referred to me, but it was also because we set up this PMO for him to manage the portfolio, ensure the projects got done to put some governance in place to make sure people were assigned to it. The resources had time to work on it and all of the things that you would do. We didn't over-process it, right? We didn't have to have 65 meetings for the shorter projects, but they right-sized what the PMO meant for them. And they had a well-operating machine that delivered out 
outstanding results in this case to their members in very short periods of time because we set up that right structure. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then I've also helped organizations as big as the United Nations, for example, like, right. and everything in between. So it's not that it has to be a certain size. It's mm-hmm. that it has to be the right size to do the job. So you can have these core competencies and you can do things like have, like you're talking about the view, the perspective, Mm -hmm. like the big picture showing how everything's aligned. You don't have to be incredibly large in order to need that perspective. Your C-suite needs that perspective, whether an organization of 12 or 12,000 or Mm -hmm. 50,000 or a hundred thousand, it doesn't matter. You still need some of the basics. What's the work we're doing? How is it tied to our strategy? How do we make sure we know what people are doing when and keeping those trains running? So I think that's a really important point. These competencies are the kinds of things that every PMO leader needs to have and needs to be able to, the services they need to be able to deliver on to be effective. So, so good. Yeah, no, and I I really just think it it is, so important. And to your point before about return on investment or ROI, when even if it's not communicated right to the organization, you said it before, and it's so true that leaders look at that, right? And so they need to know what the organization is doing with right. the budget that's been allocated to them. You know, what are right. the FP doing? What are you doing with our money? Are we investing in the right projects? Are we investing yeah. in the right areas? And so having that, however small or large it is, but really having that level of transparency is so crucial. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that even if you don't hear your executives talking about it, I guarantee it's how they're making decisions, not just about what projects they do, but whether or not the PMO is actually providing value too, right? So Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I teach my students in in our PMO program is how to measure the return on investment for the PMO itself, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes we get so caught up in measuring the project return on investment or benefits or value or whatever you call it that we forget that we also need to make sure that they understand the success that we are driving and how important that is. So there's an aspect of marketing and communications involved in being a PMO leader as well. So all of that's super important. So I'm glad we're talking about these skills that will help with that. So we've talked a little bit about your former role, but I'd like to talk if we could for a minute about the kind of things that the value you're driving in your current role at Planisware. So they're one of the leading solution providers for project and portfolio management. How specifically is Planisware helping PMOs embrace their strategic role? Ah, So I alluded to it a little bit before in utilizing tools for scenario and simulation and a key component, right, to the software that we have. So giving the the PMO or governance or or those leaders the ability to really look at these different situations that could happen within this portfolio that they have. And we know that software is not a magic bullet. You need to have processes in place. You need to have this PMO in place in order to utilize the data that the software helps you to come up with. But something like Plannersware shows the organization is maturing. So even if you start with a smaller tool, implementing something like either Plannersware Orchestra or Plannersware Enterprise really indicates that you are reaching a new level of maturity within your Mm -hmm. PMO. Mm, So, so good. Oh, this is great. Okay. So now I want to, before we go, I want to talk about those core competencies and how we can give 
our audience that's listening to this session something to go do right now to apply what we're talking about here from the core competency perspective? Because like, great, that was all good, but you're talking way too fast. So there's like, oh, there's so many things. So can you repeat that? So instead, what we've got at the summit on their session page is an action-taking resource. Can you tell us about this action-taking resource and what's included with respect to the core competencies? Yes, I'd love to. So we hope that everyone will download this action-taking resource as it's a checklist, right, to help you work through where you are currently with core competencies that you have and where do you need to go, right? So you may be at step one or you may be at step six. And so this checklist will help determine where you are within that maturity scale. Perfect. So on at the PMO Impact Summit session, on the session page, you can download this action-taking resource and walk through the checklist of the core competencies your PMO and you as a leader need to have in place in order to be most effective at becoming and maintaining your status as a true strategic business partner for the organization. So good. Amy, thank you so much for being here for today's session. I really appreciate you taking the time to support our impact drivers to become strategic business partners. It's my absolute pleasure. And don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Planisware. Planisware's turnkey solution, Orchestra, helps PMOs drive early to mid-maturity companies to achieve world-class excellence. Planisware Enterprise, an advanced PPM suite, accelerates mature enterprises toward data unification to cohesively and strategically develop their project portfolio. Lead the way along with over 500 organizations that trust Planisware. You can learn more at planisware.com. That's planisware.com. All right, Impact Driver, that's it for this session. Make sure that you go and grab that action-taking resource to learn about the core competencies that you need to have in place to be a strategic business partner for your leadership team. And I look forward to seeing you in the next session. Bye-bye for now.